It's my podcast today. Change, change, change. Of course we're talking about change. Of course, why not? So, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you the truth. I'm going to tell you the truth, too. Here's my podcast. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Uh, my name is Andre Anderson. I'm both host and founder of BSTL. Uh, look, it seems as though you like the conversation from last uh, time. We talked about taking that shot. And so I wanted to have a follow-up, um, a continuation of that conversation, but maybe looking at it from um, a different angle today. Again, my name is Andre Anderson, and um, I hope that you've been enjoying these podcasts. Uh, again, we are on Amazon, we're on Spotify, we're on RSS. Uh, you can find us any way that you'd like to. And of course, the email address is bstlinc21 at gmail.com. So let's jump right into it today. Um, I want to entitle this one, uh, What If I Miss? What If I Miss? So, of course, um, last week when we talked about um, taking the shot, uh, we talked about the idea of what happens when leaders are making decisions um, from a distance, not necessarily understanding or knowing uh, where it is that people are located, like what's really happening boots on the ground. And of course, one of the things I find is that when we as leaders transition and we move up, and of course, I say move up tongue and cheek, I don't ever believe that people are moving up. I just think that people are um, now being... Uh, set aside for greater responsibility, more accountability, the list goes on, right? So I'm not necessarily believing that people are promoted or they're moving up. I just think that uh, it's more difficult. Um, as you are responsible for more things, more people, I don't think it's an easy job. Um, but we as leaders, we have to kind of figure it out and, and find a way to make a way. So here's what happens now, right? So even though we love James Bond, I'm just going to talk about him one more week. Or maybe I'll talk about him again, because again, he's one of my favorite characters. Don't judge me. He really is. I like James Bond. So what happens is, is that for those of us that have been following him for quite some time, and I'm probably dating myself um, because I've been watching him for uh, years upon years. And of course, we already discussed it last time that the character James Bond, it's never the same person, but the character lives on. You know, one of the things that um, I like about uh, the character James Bond, and I do like about the the organization, um, I like the fact that they give him a lot of tools, okay? And when I say tools, you know, early in most of these movies, um, what you'll find is that um, before he goes out on assignment, he always stops, like, in the basement of some kind of laboratory. There's a British uh, guy who creates stuff, whether it's a pen uh, that explodes or a car that has rockets or, you know, uh, I don't know, a car that floats. Like, there's always, like, something being built uh, in the basement of this organization. And, and I like that, right? So one of the things I really do appreciate about this whole James Bond series, even though I don't necessarily love everything about how they do things as an organization. I, I really do appreciate the fact um, that they give him some tools, right? Now, the thing is, is that the tools that they give him, uh, sometimes they are just prototypes. They're in the process of being developed and used, and they'll say to him, hey, try it out. Uh, but the problem is, is that you're asking James Bond to try it out when he's actually in a real uh, scenario, a real situation. And of course, 
Uh, those of us that have watched watched um, these movies, we know that there have been times where these tools have come in clutch, and they've been good to him, and he's been able to use them, and they're fine. But then there's other times where he's been given some tools, and they don't work. And when he's like in the midst of being pinched in on every side, he's pushing the button that should work, and it does not work. And so, you know, I... I challenge it, right? And we're talking about leadership. We're talking about organizational leadership, right? These are some metaphors for all of that um, because James Bond is not a real character. It's not necessarily a real story. Um, but the reality is, is that even though they give him tools, some of the tools that they give to him, uh, they don't always work. And I think this is also part of what happens uh, in leadership because there are times where we have put people um, on the front line, we have an expectation that they're going to do well, and we give them a bunch of stuff to use, but I don't know that A, it works, and then B, I don't know that we've given them the training so that they can like actually do it well. So here's the conversation that comes on the heels of the other one, of taking the shot. What happens if I miss the shot? Now, this is important, right? And I hope you're locked in with me this week. Um, because I think that um, one of the things that I want to leave with you in this conversation is that if you're going to ask me to take the shot, you've got to be preparing me consistently while I'm working with you and for you for those kinds of shots. And I already know, I, I can already hear you even though I can't hear you. I hear somebody saying, but listen, Andre, you can't plan for everything, right? You can train people. Uh, you can give them the tools, you can send them back to school, you can do all kinds of things, you can mentor them, um, but there are some situations that you just can't plan for and you just have to like leave it to them, leave it to the Lord, leave it to somebody. And I hear you, but here's one of the things that I often have as a conversation with people, generally speaking, right? Um, those are not one-offs. Uh, what I find is, is that in organizations, we don't mentor enough, we don't train enough, we don't give enough tools and skill sets to individuals um, that are working in very organic, very dynamic situations. And so here's the thing, we hire people and we, we give them all of these tools. Like, I mean, think about it, right? You've worked in many different places. Even before you became a manager, right? Um, you worked in a lot of different places before. And just kind of rewind with me and then think about it this way. When you first got hired, like there's this whole process, right? You, you got to meet with HR, you got to um, fill out paperwork, you've got to meet with your supervisor, your team lead. Um, if you're lucky, depending on what office space you're working in, whether you're an entrepreneur, you're working for a large organization, you get to meet with the president, the CFO, the CEO, you meet a whole bunch of people. And then they kind of put you off to the side, right? And then they put you in like a room. And while you're in this room, like there's so much training. There's a manual. There's a big book that you've got to follow. Um, everybody's teaching you about logging into your system, setting up email addresses, and the list goes on. There's a lot of training and development that happens within the first couple of weeks and months of your employment but think about it, right? And again, this is a challenge um, for us as leaders to find a way to create a better way forward. 
Because what happens is, is that after you've gotten this initial training that has you swamped and wiped out and exhausted because it's so much to learn in such a short period of time, uh, the truth is after you've uh, received this initial training on the front end, it's almost like you're supposed to know everything else that kind of creeps up on you. Even though what you've been trained to do, the reality is, like it changes, right? And for those of you that are on the front line and your work takes you in a place where you've got to work with people and talk with people, think about it. Like those that you talked with 10 years, 20 years ago, 15 years ago, even two years ago, pre-pandemic, it's a different group of individuals. Like their needs are different. The challenges are different. The things that they're living through are different. And then of course, for those that have been leading for quite some time, it changes after a while because after you've been leading in an organization for 30 or 40 years, uh, the group that's now coming in that's going to replace you at some point, they don't even think the way uh, that you are thinking anymore. So the reality is all of this training that you get on the front end, a lot of organizations, I think, are guilty of not maintaining that level and depth of training and development so that after a while, when the when the world is changing, you're asking people to take a shot based on information and best practices that are currently outdated. Now, I, I get it as well, right? Because not all organizations have uh, the capacity to continue to train individuals at that high level. You don't have the resources. Um, maybe your HR is, is, is not what it could be or should be. I mean, there are a lot of different reasons for why uh, training and development is a real issue. And I think part of it is, too, that there is a culture. And the culture says that, look, I'm going to tell you what you need to know to get you started. And then you're going to have to figure it out from there on out. Now, the only issue that I really have with that is that not everybody functions the same. And for those of us that have been leading for quite some time, you know that there are individuals that will go after stuff and they will figure things out. They won't even come to you. Like they'll have major issues with how the system works, how the organization is running. But because they, they, they work well autonomously and they're uh, the type of individuals that will figure things out, you don't necessarily see the gaps when you're working with those individuals because they just have learned, look, nobody's going to give this to me on a, on a plate with a silver spoon or a gold fork, so I've got to figure it out. Uh, but that's not all of those that work with us and work for us, right? The, the truth is there are some individuals that are not going to go online. They're not going to go and search on the internet for how they can do things a little bit better based on the work that they're doing, so they sit there. And they sit there and they sit there and they wait and they say to themselves, well, look, if nobody shows me how to do this, it's on them, but it's not really on me. And the reality is, is that for some of those individuals that sit there and they don't, um, they're not self-starters, they're not autonomous, they're, they're bright people, but they say to themselves, it's your job to equip and empower me. Here's the thing, as they continue to work with other people, uh, whether they're on the phones or they're working face-to-face, -face, however the setup is for your particular business or organization, Here's what happens. They begin to sour after a while. <laughs> I'm not talking about those uh, specifically that are self-starters. I'm talking about those that you've got to kind of like hold their hand a little bit and move them forward and show them how to get things done. Those individuals, after a while, they become frustrated. And part of the reason why they become frustrated is you've asked them 
to give them your best. They are at work. They are consistent. Uh, they do exactly what you've called them to do. They do exactly what they've been asked to do. And really, all they're asking you to do is put forward, put forth into them the same thing that you desire from them. So what ends up happening is, is that they sit there and they now become disgruntled with you as a leader because they're watching you giving them month ends and telling them that their statistics are not as good as they used to be. You're, you're saying to them that they're not meeting the benchmark. Um, you are great with uh, the, the analytics that say this is what is not necessarily working, but that is in response to what the organization is not doing. So the reality is you're asking me to take the shot. You're asking me to be optimal. And I'm speaking in the third person now. I'm speaking on behalf of the employee that doesn't have a voice, right? And they want to say something to leaders who are leading them, who have the same expectation of them. They have this idea that you're going to continue to thrive and do well. Here's what they want us to know. How can you expect me to do well uh, to perform well, to exceed expectations, to do what I'm supposed to do so I can get this three, four, five, six percent rate um, raise at the end of the year. How do you expect me to do that when you have not given me this given me the skill sets in order to take the shot effectively? Now this kind of brings us back to um, James Bond, right? Um, because you can see those of us that watch these movies, right, these 007 series, we know that there are times where he is literally frustrated on the front lines as he is called to do specific things that put his life in danger. And there are times where you can see that there's an anger. His technology is not working. His earpiece is not working. His gun's not working. His vehicle's not working. The doors aren't locking. There's no way of escape. And yet... From this distance, you've got this headquarters that's like, yo, take the shot. And really what James Bond probably wants to tell them and tell us is as leaders, you can't expect me to take a great shot without giving me great tools, great training, great development. And I know that it costs companies. I know that it costs us as leaders because at times, uh, depending on what your temperament is, you just kind of want to go into your little cubicle and get your work done and check out at five o'clock and hope that everybody's doing exactly what you've asked them to do. But the reality is for those that feel the changes, the, the lack of development, the, the training that is non-existent, those are your frontline workers. And while they are committed when they join on, because I think that most people, no matter where they work, when they first start, unless they have no other choice, right? Because we do know that there are individuals that we hire that if they had a choice, they wouldn't be working with you or for you. Life has happened, and so they need to make sure that they're feeding their families, making sure that the lights stay on. But you're not the number one choice for where they would prefer to be if they could choose where they were going to be, be employed. So we're not talking about those individuals. We're talking about individuals that they heard that this is the organization. They've heard how cutting edge uh, the organization is, and they've always wanted to work there because it sounds like a place where they could really fit in and do well. Well, here's the reality. When they get there, after the training happens and the world changes and the platforms have changed, and we're still working with the training and development that you gave me five and 10 and 15 and 20 and 30 years ago, what am I supposed to do with that now? And so, you know, sometimes I think that as leaders, uh, 
we are heavy handed with individuals that are failing at times uh, because we have not given them the right tools in order for them to be great. And here's the other residual damage, right? Because here's the thing. When we think about leadership as leaders, we often are thinking about what happens in the office from 7 until 3.30, 8 until 5, you know, 10 until 7 o'clock. That is like the, the, the only lens that we generally are, are we're only looking at. But here's the other piece to this, if I may say this. If you don't give me the tools to do my job, when uh, I'm in the office, in the hours that you have as an expectation for me to be there and be productive, when I leave my job, I don't actually leave my job. Like, and if we're to be honest, nobody really just leaves their job. Some people are able uh, to compartmentalize things, but most of us, we do take our jobs home even if we don't take the paperwork with us. So what happens is now you've got John and or Sally, male and or female, doesn't matter what background they come from. When they are frustrated at work and you now have greater expectations that you're putting on them uh, without adequate training that will help them to do and move in this new direction that the organization is, is going towards, uh, when they go home, their family is impacted by it, wh whether they're married or single, blended, nuclear, whatever. It doesn't matter. Whatever their family setup is, which may also be inclusive of friendships, right? So all of a sudden... So-and-so is always grumpy, you know, they're, they're not happy and they're, they're, they're distant or they're snappy, they're short with you. And the, and the thing is, it's because at times as leaders, we forget that everybody knows at some point you're going to move from saying, hey, you got to do better to now moving me into your office to tell me what it is that I'm not doing. Uh, to showing me my file with my name on it, to putting some notes into my file because I'm not meeting the benchmark. And at some point, we're no longer going to be talking about being productive or doing what I'm supposed to be doing well. We're now going to be talking about if you don't do better than what you're doing, we may have to ask you to leave. And we may not say that implicitly, but that's what's implied. And so the, re the reality is, is that we're now creating an environment now where we have asked people to perform at a specific level. We expect them to be optimal. And when they are not doing well, even though we have not given them the tools uh, to do their job well, we're now having a conversation with them saying, hey, if we don't do well, here are the repercussions and the implications to that. And you know what? I don't know. <clears throat> I, I don't know that I agree with that. Um, I don't know that I agree with that because I think that sometimes we forget that we are a part of an overall whole. And what I mean by that is, is that those that we are responsible for, those that are accountable to us, they're not different from us. They just have a different responsibility within, within the overall picture. So while it is true um, that they may be the ones that, you know, you can follow what they are doing or not doing. What they are or are not doing is an extension of us. And, you know, a long time ago, um, when I used to read up about a lot of businesses and stuff like that, I'm now beginning to understand um, why it is that when major organizations come in, uh, the first people that they let go are generally those that are executives and those that are responsible for the people that are accountable to them. And it's not, um, I don't think it's a pay thing. I don't think it is. 
I think that sometimes when organizations come in, and especially if they buy out another organization and they can see where the challenges are, there may be a tendency to let go upper management because sometimes leaders forget that by extension, you are responsible for what your team is or is not doing. So at the end of the day, if they're not performing well, you can say that it's the little lady in the corner or, or the older guy in the corner or the young person who has divided interest and they're always on vacation and they're always late and they don't seem to care. But at the end of the day, have you given them the tools to make the shot? And that's why, to some degree, it's twofold, right? I think it's twofold. And when I say twofold, I think part of what it is is that we have to give people tools uh, to do their job, but we also have to make sure we are clear on who it is that we're working with so that we give them the tools. Like, I remember years ago when I was working somewhere else, like, everybody goes into the office and everybody gets the exact same training. Um, but the reality is, is that after day two, uh, you can begin to see that there are individuals that clearly they're on the move. They're going to be going somewhere. But most of the training that we give is geared towards this kind of communal thing. And I get it. Everybody needs to know uh, the exact same thing. But while we are doing this thing, we have to be identifying who's in the room. And maybe I'll even go as far as to say this. And this is a tough piece, right? And I think that a lot of people struggle with this. Um, I think that sometimes when people come into the room and we can see that they're bright and they'll take the initiative and they're going places, uh, we, we, we look at them and we're like, oh my goodness, what if they're coming for my job? And my thing is, let them have your job. <laughs> let them have your job. Like, let them literally bump, bump you out of your space so that you have to find something else to do. Because I actually think that's, that that's an incredible a uh, hat off moment, an incredible uh, moment where you can celebrate that you have actually trained somebody and developed somebody that came in grassroots that now is able to do your job as well as you and if not better. And here's the other piece too. It's not so much about whether or not they're going to be doing it better than you. By the time they take your job, they're now going to be leading at a time that is completely different than when you started. And so I, maybe I also want to say this, and this is not necessarily the conversation for today. We have to create, um, as leaders, an environment whereby people should start coming for our job the moment that they arrive. Like, unless you're that person that never wants to move up, you just kind of want to do that thing, and that's where you want to start and finish, all right, fine, have at it. But there are a lot of leaders that are extremely ambitious, and after a while, when, when the real culture of the office um, begins to really sink in, they say, you know what, I'm, I'm done. I'm going to take this for what it is. But to the rest of us as leaders who are never satisfied with just being there, and we desire to move forward and move upward. And again, that's tongue-in-cheek because I don't think that there's anything upward. I think it's just that you have much more responsibility. But the reality is we've got to be the type of leaders that are constantly trying to teach people to replace us in our absence. And here's the thing. When we show that if you work hard, you can become the person that has trained you I think that that's a great message to really have out there. I think that it's cool. I think that it's really, really a good piece that people will say, you know what? 
I've noticed that in our organization, every three to five years, it is possible to come in grassroots, move from team lead, supervisor, manager, VP, whatever it may be, it is possible to be able to grow and move. And here's the thing. I think that the ripple effect to that is that if you are, as a leader, setting and creating that kind of benchmark that says anybody can come in and they can become anything without politics, without selling people out, without throwing people underneath the bus, I think that those kinds of organizations, they thrive. They thrive. I can't remember who said it. Um, somebody said it recently, somebody like a really big deal, and I'm not misquoting them on purpose. I just didn't know we were going this way in, in the conversation. But basically what they said was, look, your, your, your organization, it's your people. And why wouldn't you want to show and, and set as the culture of your organization, um, create a space where it said that, where I work, they want me to do well. They want me to thrive. As a matter of fact, when I make mistakes, even if they are colossal mistakes, when they bring me into the office, we're not coming in there because I'm getting a, a slap on the hand for trying something that no one else was uh, courageous enough to do. No, no, no. They're bringing me into the office so that we can have a debrief and think about what it is that we did and how we can improve on it for the next time. And so here's the thing as we wind down. Look, for uh, James Bond, it's it's a pro and it's a con. And I think one of the reasons why his character is so uh, cutting edge is that he has learned throughout the years how to manage himself. He's reduced perhaps some of his expectation um, on or from those that he um, has to report to. But he's learned that even though I'm 007, you don't get to define who I am or how I will do what I'm supposed to do. You've given me an assignment, you've told me what it is that you're asking me to do, and here's the thing, I'm going to do or accomplish or follow through on the thing that you've asked me to do, but I may or may not deliver it exactly the way that you want it to be done. And by doing so, we show people that leadership is not just cookie cutter. It has circles, it has squares, it has triangles. And at the end of the day, if you do it well, you may not do it the way that others envision it, but if you meet that bottom line without having to cut corners and break any ethics and, and blur uh, the lines of morality, then what? why not? Because I actually think that at the end of the day, if we actually create a space where we are giving people an opportunity to shoot their best shot, miss, or hit the target, we're actually creating a better environment long-term. So again, my name is Andre Anderson. I'm host and founder of BSTL, which stands for Building Something That Lasts. If you'd like to reach out to me, uh, the email is bstlinc21 at gmail.com. Today's conversation is, what if I miss? And maybe here's what I'm saying, leaders. If they miss because we haven't equipped them, then it's on us. But if they've missed, let's see how we could do it a little bit better so that we create an environment that takes chances. Because I think risk takers help to shift and shape and create new paradigms in the world of leadership. Take care until next time. All right, everybody, this is the recap. Number one, leaders must equip their teams and frontline workers with the appropriate tools and resources. 
Number two, leaders also must provide the skill sets required through training and development to allow your team to exceed. Number three is leaders, don't be afraid of mentoring your team to replace you. Maintain an environment for everyone to move forward, including yourself. And last but not least, your team may not deliver the way that you intended for them, but if they hit the target, celebrate the victories together. If they miss, regroup and see how things can be done differently and continue to help your organization to thrive. See you guys next time.